0: This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. It's been a minute, but we're finally back with a new season of Creative Control, and I thank you kindly for your patience. If I sound a little raspy, it's because we just wrapped our eighth annual Innovation Festival last week, so it was basically me not sleeping and constantly talking, sometimes yelling, for four days straight. And speaking of the Innovation Festival, we're kicking off this season of Creative Control with a live episode we recorded from the stage with none other than Brittany Broski. You may know Brittany as the Kombucha Girl meme, but she's managed to turn what could have been just 15 seconds of fame into a thriving career. In our conversation, we talk about being your own product, how platforms could be better supporting creators, and how she's taking her career offline. This is Creative Control, I'm your host Casey Finey. Each week, I'll be unpacking the driving forces in people shaping the creator economy and what it all means for its future. What took you so long? <laughs> the meeting with Biden ran over. I'm
1: sorry, <laughs> y'all. I no, really am sorry. Oh, that was, no. They shut down the highways. Say, it, was... less.
0: it is fine. You're here now, and we appreciate it. One more time for Brittany Broski. Please, please, please.
1: <laughs> and for Casey. <laughs> oh, please. No, none for
0: me, none for me. They're sick of me already. <laughs> no applause. No, absolutely none. <laughs> but, you know, I want to hop right into it because, you know, you have managed to turn a meme into for everyone knows the origin story of Brittany Bursky, right the kombucha meme right we need not cover that but I feel like you have turned a meme into a full-time career as a creator really so sure. but even before then you had a steady job albeit a miserable one and I was
1: miserable and you, you are go. right about that
0: so what made you even though it was miserable it was steady so what made you leave something steady for something that wasn't certain
1: you know it wasn't until I was pushed to that point um I had absolutely no intention of ever jumping on this as a viable career. Um, I was raised with really strict parents and I always was told, you know, like, have a backup plan. My backup plan was my my plan, you know, like I worked in insurance and then I worked at the bank and I was fully planning on that being my career and this internet stuff was just going to be on the side, you know, maybe a way to make some money until it eventually died out because I've been online since I was 11 years old, you know, like chronically online. For better or worse. For better or worse. <laughs> and in this case, I guess better. Hey. Um, and I, I know the lifespan of memes. And I know how these things, you know, the social media cycle is 24 hours. Something goes viral, it's dead 24 hours later. I expected that, but I like paid attention and I was, I kind of diversified what I was doing online. So I wasn't just, you know, like I hated Kombucha Girl from the beginning. <laughs> I was like, this isn't, I have a name, you know, <laughs> like I have a government name. <laughs> And so I started posting, you know, accents and impressions and, and skits and stuff. And, and people started to like me for that, seeing parts of my personality instead of just, you know, oh, she can make some Jim Carrey faces. Right. It's like I'm more than that sometimes. So <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. But it was, it was not, you know, on purpose. Yeah. I, I just kind of was posting.
0: Yeah. So you, you mentioned that you are a child of the Internet. And you have a whole podcast kind of about it. Yeah. Like, so what was your perception of being a content creator before you were one? And what is it now?
1: It's obviously different because I'm on the other side. I was always the consumer. I was always the fan. And I grew up with people like Jenna Marbles and, you know, Cody Ko and Noel Miller where it's like, I've watched them build literal empires. But Good Mythical Morning, you know, like Rhett and Link, it's just like, I've seen what the internet can bring. And I never thought of myself as that type of person. I was always just like, God, I love what they do. I would come home from my job that I hated and turn on Rhett and Link and they were my escape. And so to be that for other people, when people come up and they're like, you know, had an awful day at work and I come home and I just, I can turn on your videos and just not think about my day and just laugh. It's like, what a privilege because so many people have been that for me. And so to be full circle and to be able to give that back, while at the same time, I'm still a fan of those people I was fans of. And I'm lucky enough to call some of them
0: friends now. It's just like, Actually ridiculous? So you're cool. calling a lot of people friends. Gary yeah. Styles, post Malone, you're me. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> I'm sorry, let, me not, let me not invoke that spirit. I don't want you to start crying. <laughs> get it? <laughs>
1: it's it's honestly the internet is such a way to connect. And I always kind of knew that because I connected to my favorite people, but to have people connect to me is just I mean, obviously, but it's it's cool to think about.
0: And You're building a career of really being yourself. And so how have you wrapped your mind around you being your own product? That is weird to commodify your personality. Right. It's a weird thing.
1: People have done it. There are the Emma Chamberlains and the Jenna Marbles of the world, even, you know, Liza Koshy and like Lily Singh. But as a woman, I find it exciting, but also a little challenging because the only people who have done this thus far, you know, who have created these production companies and media empires from the internet are men. And a lot of them are men duos. So they have a business partner kind of built in. Doing it alone as just me, where it feels like people, you know, there's, there was the whole unfunny meme that went around of like women aren't funny. It's like I'm working against all of those really awful incel stereotypes, you know, of like, I have to disprove them and then I also have to prove myself and it's a weird thing because it's like, where does Brittany Broski stop and where does Brittany Tomlinson begin? My government name.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: uh, <laughs> and so it's, it's a weird thing. You know, how do I, what do I keep personal while still being authentic? And so much of why I have an audience is because I am authentically me and the people that share my struggles and can sympathize with you know, the things. I had a real life before this made up internet life. There's something nice about seeing someone that looks like you and has the same body as you, that I wish I had seen a little more growing up, and it's it's nice to be able to provide that. But yeah, it is a weird thing to commodify. You know, we want you to be funny. I right. do it. It's
0: like well, right. it's like, yeah. since you asked, yeah. <laughs> oh, we pull up my notes app. <laughs> I mean, so where do you see that going? Because you you brought up a really good point in saying that a lot of these production companies, I mean, they are they're kind of built by men, and yeah. so. Is that the bigger picture goal? Definitely. Yeah.
1: People don't know. Like, this is such an untapped potential of what this type of viral Internet fame could mean. We've seen it before. We've seen what people can do with it. You know, they'll go on tour and they'll make music, be in a movie, whatever. But it all kind of always seems to be kept within the circle of the Internet. You know, it's like if you're online, you know, oh, yeah, so-and-so was in that YouTube Red series and, you know, that's very online stuff. I'm excited for this new age of, like, Charlie D'Amelio and Addison Rae being invited to the Met Gala. That's wild, dude. Where, has,
0: where is your invite? Uh, that's what I'm asking. I'm, uh, just like, like, Can we get it? Wait, up? okay. What Can would we you call? wear? Okay, if, oh, let's say this. Let's go back to the year the theme was camp. What would you have worn? I would have worn Gaga's meat dress.
1: <laughs> now that it's jerky. Like you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have been rotten. But that's camp. I show up smelling like rotten meat. Um... Yeah.
0: I mean, how fun. I mean. And the people that showed up in just a suit grow up. We don't have time to get into that, which just agitates me. It's like, so, I mean, I'm curious because I feel like we can't have a conversation about the creator economy without talking about burnout, which is something that so many people across industries have faced, but it's been particularly loud in the creator space. And I know you yourself, you know, you've been very honest in saying like, hey, I had to take a step back and, you know, go into the woods and sort of like collect myself. So. I mean, how, what, what's really been at the root of burnout for you? Because again, it takes many different faces. So like, what's, this, what's it been for you?
1: And, and it is different, you know, from like an author being burnout, trying to write the same book for three years versus whatever it is that I do. <laughs> I can't even define it if you ask me to. But it's, I think it's this idea of always having to be on and always having to be entertaining. Sometimes I don't feel that way. And if I did, I think I'd be a psychopath. <laughs> You know what I mean? If I was always just like, let's get these jokes rolling. (laughs) Like, like, go to bed, relax. I think that a lot of the reason why internet people get burnout is because there's no job description for this. You're thrown into it, you suddenly owe five, six figures in taxes, and you're trying to figure out how that works because no one teaches you that. (laughs) It's just there's so many aspects of this that are, we know people have done it successfully, the creator economy, like you said, is more saturated now. There are so many creators, micro-influencers, macro-influencers. And to balance your schedule in a way that you allow time for yourself, no one teaches you how to do that. And I've really struggled with it. And when people ask me, like, how do you do with your mental health? Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do a good job and I'll admit it. And so it's, it's a constant ongoing internal dialogue, you know, of like, what's my limit? But also, I've agreed to do some of this stuff, so I have to follow through with it. So it's being self-employed, I feel like for anyone who's self-employed, you can relate to that idea of, it's very volatile, it's unpredictable, and that's very much social media. And so you want to say yes to every opportunity, but shit, <laughs> it will burn you out.
0: We're gonna take a quick break, and when we're back, we're gonna hear more from Brittany Broski live from Fast Companies Innovation Festival. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon. The network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. This may sound weird because again, it's like you are building this career off of just being yourself. But what is your creative process of creating content? Like what do you decide you know, goes on TikTok, YouTube, like, and because sometimes it's like you're making lemon bars or you're just like, right. you know, scrolling through like your Tumblr, which I want you to release your Tumblr. I know you said you're going to keep it to yourself. That Yeah, my lawyers are actually in my ear saying no. <laughs> so what is your creative process of creating content?
1: Um, Around 11 p.m. I get the Zoomies, okay.
0: <laughs> like a dog,
1: and I'll just film myself, just spam post. That's usually it. that's at least TikTok. But um, on YouTube, it's more because that's longer form content and people want to, at least when I watch YouTube, I want to spend time with that creator. I want to watch a 15, 20, 25 minute video while I'm doing my makeup or while I'm cooking or whatever, where it feels like someone's in the room with you. And I'm very lucky to exist in this era of YouTube that is very low production, low quality, (laughs) low cost, where it's just me with a camera doing whatever I do. And I have an incredible editor who kind of adds the memes and music and brings it to life in a way that just adds kind of quality to it. But at the end of the day, it's me, you know, just doing what I want to do. If I saw a TikTok of an old British woman making tea sandwiches and I'm like, that looks bad, but I want to try it. I'm going to make it. <laughs> right. And then people, I'm lucky enough to have an audience that will watch me do whatever it is that I'm interested in at the moment. And that is a privilege. So it's, Very wild, this kind of cinematic universe I've created. (laughs) People who just are interested in what I am doing. And it's very neat and it's, it's a community.
0: And I'm so glad you brought up this era of sort of like lo-fi content because it wasn't always like that. No. There was a time where it was like the really pristine Instagram influencer and everything was like like perfect. and Backdrop, it, backlights Exactly. Yeah. And I remember I actually interviewed Emma Chamberlain and she mentioned that she, I feel like she's kind of credited as like really being one of the first creators to really say like, hey, I'm not perfect and yeah. this is like, this is a mess and everything. And people, love it. And people love loved it. it. And people loved it. And more people started doing it. And so, you know, knowing that things tend to work in cycles, do you see a, a time when, the era of like the chaotic, like authentic creator is gonna phase out and like what's gonna take its place? Like, yeah. what do you think?
1: I talk about this all the time with my friends because it is, it's cyclical. This environment is, you know, people, they want relatability and then they're over it. Right. You know, it's like everyone's relatable now. Cause
0: people are now making fun of it. Like you'll go to yeah. TikToks and be like, oh my, they're making fun of like the chaotic creators. Yes. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I feel like people are getting tired of it. So what's gonna be after that?
1: What's next is a more professional setup. I mean, what's even an example? Trying to think of polished YouTubers, they don't exist. (laughs) Um, It's gonna be that, you know, like with a setup and a structure maybe to the video. And I think that shows like Hot Ones or like Chicken Shop Date, where there is a structure, there is a goal, there are celebrity guests, that's kind of the future. And I think that that's definitely next for me. I would love to have a show like that. And I think that. Emma could do something like that, you know, but she's busy living her little life, whatever she's I doing. I mean, listen, I she's know. just like
0: trotting around Paris and just what like living it? her. Fa- it's, it's it's insane. You were just in Paris
1: at Disneyland. <laughs> Not working, girl.
0: Yeah, I was being a Disney adult. Thank
1: you for outing me to the lovely I mean, people. It was,
0: you added yourself. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, there's so much Disney content on your channel. There is, so. there is. And I definitely want to talk about how you're taking your career offline, because, you know, I feel like if you've, like, followed Britney's videos, it's been this slow journey to doing, like, stand-up. Because you've, you've said before, like, I don't want to do, like, I've been worried about doing stand-up, I've been worried about doing like sketch comedy, but like you've sort of been inching toward it. So like, where are you now? And I actually interviewed you before. And I remember this was like, when you came back from the cabin in the woods, you're like, I recorded yeah, a set yeah. and like, you know, I'm feeling good about it. So where are you now in that journey of taking your brand of comedy offline yeah. to the masses? It's
1: a great question. I feel like where we are now, you can never truly take it offline because we're seeing celebrities being forced to have an online presence. You know, it's like, you got to be on TikTok. I don't need Reese Witherspoon to be on
0: TikTok. <laughs> right? Like, what are you doing, babe? Love you. Hey. She's in the building, you know. She Okay, no, well, should we bring her in? <laughs> <laughs> we should make some TikToks with her.
1: It's that where it's like they're forcing traditional celebs to have an online presence and online people want to go offline, you know, into like TV or movies or whatever, which is great. And I think that that is the future because... In about 10, 15 years, social media stars are going to be the new A-list celebrities, I think. I mean, it's an interesting trend, like an uptick in virality and fame that we've seen that's so interesting. But yeah, my, my goals right now are, I'm on tour right now for the podcast I have with my roommate, and we're selling out comedy clubs. Like, this stuff translates into real life, and a lot of it is, you know, Obviously, there are fans that enjoy the comedy, but a lot of it is people just want to see their favorite person in real life. And I'm, I've i done that before. You know, like if Jenna Marbles did a show where she just got up there and held her dogs for 45 minutes, I'd be like, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all doing two shows? I gotta come next time. It's like, I think that there's such a, oh my God, you're real sort right, of thing. exactly. And that is kind of what we're doing now. Um, we Obviously, it is a comedy set, mm-hmm. so we get up there and we do a live podcast, but... I'd love to do voice acting for, like, a Pixar movie.
0: or Oh, my God, that'd be
1: fantastic. It's just, like, the possibilities are really endless, and that's a scary thing. You know, it's like, well, what do you want to do? The Internet's at your fingertips. What
0: do you want to be when you grow up? Right. Like I, I don't the, know.
1: Like, I'm 30. I don't know. Right.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, that's the thing. I feel like it, so many people have used social media as a springboard into other things. But do you think that it's possible for someone to have a sustainable career just being online. Absolutely. So, and, that, and, and so I know that a lot of times that comes down to like, you know, working in brand deals and whatnot, but do you think that the platforms themselves could do more to pay creators?
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: so, pay me. So, what would you want? Like, as someone who, because again, these platforms would not be what they are without creators, like, right. you, like bringing people in. So, what more do you think these platforms could be doing for creators financially?
1: Listen to them. That's the biggest advice. And I feel like a lot of creators are begging the apps and platforms to listen to them more. You know, it's like, we've got some ideas on how to improve these, and it feels like no one's listening. And they're adding features that no one's asking for. When they added the shop tab to Instagram instead of the activity tab, who's asking for that? You know, it's just like you're running these apps into the ground where it's like, we don't even enjoy really using them anymore because it's so focused on spin, 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 bye, bye, bye feel insecure, buy something to make you feel better. It's just like, when I log on to TikTok and Instagram, I want to see pictures of my friends and I want to see videos that make me laugh. I don't want to see, you know, this stuff that's geared, I don't know. I feel like on YouTube, the censorship or the um, ad suitability thing kills creativity for a lot of people. Why would I want to share this project that I've spent so much time on when it's just the ads are going to be limited? Because I said too many F-bombs or because I used this little snippet of a song. It's just like people are going to migrate off your platform if you don't listen to creators. So until the next one. TikTok is the monolith right now and until the next app comes about. so
0: People love Be Real. (laughs) Oh, I mean, for now. Right, Right. until the next one. Yeah, exactly. I can't overstate that this has all happened, your career. has happened in a relatively short amount of time. And so what has been your biggest learning curve?
1: Probably how this is such a <laughs> fake environment. And I don't mean fake, like, fake. Yeah. I mean, like, people that are chronically online, if people are getting canceled online or they're calling for this or they're, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. In the real world, that doesn't really translate. You know, like, I have people, or I've seen people in their comment sections. just like, you can't say this, don't do this, don't do that, please take this down. And it's like the people that are chronically online are very far removed from reality. Hate comments, you would never say that stuff to that person's face. It's stuff like that where you have to let that wash off your back like water off a duck's back because these people would never say that to you in real life. And you let that affect you to the point, honestly, where before it's like, I'll go back to the bank. It has been so all-consuming at points. And I don't mean that to sound like, oh, poor me, (laughs) shut up. But like It it does feel like you're suffocating sometimes. It's like, I can't do anything right, I'm stupid, I, I should just delete my accounts. And it's like, I get too many people in real life coming up to me saying, you know, you have provided me joy in a time where there was no joy. Or like I was going through one of the worst parts of my life. And I know what that feels like because I was clinically depressed at my nine to five corporate jobs. And I had my internet people that saved me from that. A lot of my creator friends and I talk about this, you have to hold on to that. Because the people that are like, you know, you're funny for a fat girl, or whatever they say, it's just like, you would never come up to somebody and say that, I just, I don't get it. So that's been my takeaways. The online reality that we created is not reality. You know, it's, it's completely fabricated. And we post things to impress each other. Right. It's
0: just so fake, all of it. <laughs> Y'all so fake. But, like, <laughs> but, you know, I've been, the theme of this year's festival is innovation unbound. And all the guests that I've spoken to so far, I've been asking them the same question. Like, what is something that you need to let go of to be a more innovative creator?
1: I'm a very macro thinker. I'm thinking, like, okay, if I have my own show what's the salary of the employees going to be? It's like, <laughs> you don't even have a show. What are you talking about? I'm like, the rent on that building's going to be wild. <laughs> Why don't you just film something in your room first? Like, get right. the product and then we can worry about all the other stuff. And then on top of that, I have a team to worry about that stuff. You know, it's like, I bog myself down with the little details because it feels like I'm standing at the bottom of Mount Everest. Because of that, you know, there are no guidelines for the internet. There's no okay, we want you to make a show about this, you know, like parameters to work within. It's whatever you want to do. And that's, you know, it's like, if someone came up to you and they're like, write a story. It's like, okay, about what? It's, it's, it's exciting and it's fun, but it's like, I just am stood there staring at my piece of paper. Like, I don't, that scene from SpongeBob where he writes the, and it's like all beautiful. And then he's like, well, I'm done for the day. <laughs> That's how it feels,
0: so. So how are you setting parameters for yourself? Like if there's no, because you're right, is it, like the internet I think will forever be the Wild West. And so yes. how are you setting your own guardrails?
1: Not easily. (laughs) It honestly is like, it comes down to time management. From this time to this time, I'm going to sit down and like write an idea. And if it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, metaphorically, crumble it up and throw it away. Just in my notes app, just delete. That's it. It's dedicating time to it instead of like waiting for creativity to strike. Because that's not a sustainable method. And it's a weird thing having your job be like as a creative. I never thought in a million years I'd be doing this. I was chained to my desk being a customer service rep for insurance companies. It was just wild to think that like, it's been a complete 180, right.
0: so. I mean, and chained to the desk, chained in the car on the way here, and but you're here now. Chained to Joe Biden, and this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Brittany, really, that is all the time we have, and I thank you so much for this. This was, thank you for making this happen. Because you, of you cool. could have used this rage quit, and just be like, I'm not coming. Uh, no, like, of course. I appreciate it. Thank you for it. Having, thank
1: you for your patience. Sorry about
0: that. Thank you. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Creative Control. And I got to say, we have got a great season in store for you. We'll be diving deeper into the creator middle class. We'll be talking about marginalized creators fighting against algorithms. We'll be talking about where we're at a year later after the Facebook papers. There's just a lot to cover, so you have to make sure you subscribe to Creative Control so you don't miss an episode. Fast Company podcasts are produced by Avery Miles, Blake Odom, and Matt Toder. Editing and sound design is by Nicholas Torres. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen. Deputy Editor David Litsky provided editorial oversight for this episode, as well as Senior VP of Entertainment Scott Meebus.